0: you're listening to the whole church podcast our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on patreon please consider joining them for three dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast as a special thank you you'll get access to our patron exclusive series like our whole church pet peeves series where we ask our guests about their pets and their peeves with church and bible traditions Ephesians 4:14 4, through 16 reads, We are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Uh, Pastor Martin, how can knowing the truth keep us from being swayed from every doctrine and help the body work together more fully, as it says in this verse? How does that
1: work? Well, truth is the fulcrum, for sure. It's the balance. It's the centerpiece. Um, If we're anchored in that truth, then we will not be swayed. Paul talks about that when he says that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So uh, uh, in cunning craftiness, we're by men lying wait to deceive. So in knowing the truth, and the cool thing about this is truth is more than just a what. Truth is a who. You know, because he said, uh, Pilate, when he talked to Jesus, he said, what is truth? Well, you know, the truth was standing right before him. In John 8, Jesus tells the leaders of that day, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So it's more than just having a creedal faith, a truth. It's having a relationship with truth. And by being anchored in that truth, you won't, you won't fall. We'll have a good, solid base.
0: And how would you say that helps us work together more fully?
1: I think because we recognize he is the head. Um, God is love. We're anchored in him. We're anchored in his love. We love like he loves. We treat each other like he treats us. Mm -hmm. We forgive as He has forgiven us. Uh, We recognize, I was telling our congregation some time ago, in truth we recognize that there is only one race It's called the human race. So it gives us opportunity that we can look at one another and look beyond color, look beyond ethnicity, look beyond uh, upbringing, and just see a brother or sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what truth does for us.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the whole church podcast. Possibly your favorite church unity podcast. Possibly not. If not, let us know what other unity podcasts are out there. I'm kind of curious. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, and my function in this show is to announce the greatest co-host of all time. The one and only TJ Tiberius Wan Blackwell. Oh, do what? Yeah. <laughs> Glad well, TJ, to be here. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm going to start including air horns when I when I say your name. I'm the editor. I can do that. <laughs> and today we are here to talk with my godfather, uh, Pastor J.R. Martin, about his book, Spiritual Hiccups, Eight Days of Doubt That Didn't Have to Be. Man, just in the title, there's so much packed in there. We're so excited to talk with Pastor Martin. Um If you recognize his name, it's because he's been on the show before. You can go back to episode 79. We had uh, Pastor Martin with us. Fantastic episode then. Excited to get back into it today. Um, Pep is what I call him. It's a pastor, evangelist preacher. So, uh, Pep, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, TJ. It's good to be with you guys.
0: All right. It's good to to
2: have you here. Uh, If you're listening to the show... uh, hop on over to our Facebook group. It gets active over there. Fun group to be a part of. I wouldn't know. I don't use Facebook. Uh, but the link is in the show <laughs> notes. You can just go to Facebook, search it up. It's called the whole church group. A lot of good stuff going on over there. If you just want to voice your opinions
0: at us or to us. Yeah. I have oh. conversations over there with people who are willing to do it. So oh. that being said, it is time for my personal favorite form of unity because it's it's a proven scientific fact that you cannot disagree when you're silly enough there is uh much like ph levels there's a silliness level that if you reach the right balance of nothing bad can possibly happen that, that's just you know it's just truth it, it's not but we're gonna pretend like it is so that I can keep doing this segment where i ask people silly questions and pep tj and i are going to answer this one first just give you a little bit extra time to think about it Today's question, DJ. I kind of want you to go first. If Donald Duck were to become a rap artist, what do you think he would rap about?
2: So Donald Duck, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Donald Duck grew up very poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I remember that. Uh, So Donald Duck is going to rap about his come up. He's going to rap about, you know, where he started, how he's gotten to where he's gotten by throwing a few lines about his family.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. okay, I see that, I see that I see Donald Kind of doing like an angry rap You know, he's always like, like Passionate angry So I, I could see him kind of just like But it wouldn't even be about anything serious I feel like it would be like a Like a, me and my kids really got into it this time <laughs> Like, it, <laughs> it would just be Silly, angry nonsense And, I don't know, I think I'd be here for it So, I think I'd be down for that Pep if Donald Duck were to become a rapper, what do you think he'd rap about?
1: Well, since he's a duck, I would think he'd rap about the water. I think he'd say oh, something oh, like I want a cuz fly
0: Yeah, that is actually why I made this question about Donald Duck. <laughs> I just needed to hear that.
2: <laughs> right. But uh, on to the, the real show, the actual church unity part. Uh, <laughs> last time you were on, we asked you about your story. Uh, we were wondering now if you could tell us anything about the story of the church you pastor at. Uh, what's the history behind the church and what makes Somerville Family Worship Center different from other churches?
1: Well, um, <clears throat> it, may not, it may be different than some, not all, but some churches. Uh, we're a, a full gospel church Pentecostal. A, a lot of churches aren't. And uh, the church has been here for 83 years Wow. and a very humble beginning in a, um, a tent and then a house. And uh, um, one of the things that stands out in my mind, I we went through the history of the church for our 75th and 80th anniversary celebrations, a family, one of the founding families of the church here, um, the dad had a mule and that they worked the field with the mule. He'd get up some mornings to go out to get the mule, the mule would be gone. Oh. And you would have to come down to the church and find the mule standing at the hitching post. People would head <laughs> down to the church just out of just a habit, just to go and take off during the day, just to go down there. So I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, um, we just uh, started, began our 15th year here. I just finished in March. I just finished 50 years of ministry. Yeah. And uh, yes. uh, to be here is just an honor to be at this church. Uh, I think one man called me from florida just a few days ago and i think it sums it up what makes us so different is he said i miss the pastor who loves me enough to tell me the truth and i miss the love and camaraderie of the church where you walk in and you see different groups represented from different walks of life but we all love each other And he said that's kind of cool so i think to me that's what makes our church so unique yeah
0: speaking as an outsider, I remember even in high school or college, whenever I would visit Somerville Family Worship Center, one thing that stood out to me I thought was really interesting was um, a lot of Pentecostal churches practice spiritual gifts, and it's great. Very few seem to be knowledgeable about it in the way that people who attend Summer Family Worship Center are. Like They actually know what the gifts are, what their purpose is, that kind of stuff. I thought that was fantastic, which obviously I would accredit to their pastor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thank God for the pastors that have gone before me as well because they they trained the people well. That's the truth. Oh, yeah. All right. So
2: are there any programs or events that your church has been able to work alongside other churches for or
1: with? Uh well, let's see. Well, of course, we do our best to work with Food Bank. Uh, we have Katie's Crops, which is a community thing that we work with other churches as well in. And we've done some mission efforts and journeys together with some churches. So um, we're excited about that. We come alongside. Um, I have been serving since I've been here in 14 years. I have been serving on the CEC Council as one of the founders. And the CEC stands for the Charleston Ecclesiastical Camp Council, and where we have pulled together different pastors of different churches across the board because we're kingdom-minded And we've started tearing down the walls. We've gone into each other's churches and preached for each other and shared. We've had worship services. We come together once a year uh, for an event. And then once a year we come together for um, a prayer, a prayer summit where we come together for prayer. And then we meet, um, generally we try to meet monthly or quarterly. And we meet with just different churches. We've been working with the youth pastors here recently. We sat down with a lot of our youth pastors to talk with them across the board, yeah. and to check just check with them and see how things are going and how we can benefit each other and how we can impact the community. Awesome, yeah. That's
0: one thing I wanted to make sure we asked you about, um, just because of all the churches in different areas we of people you know we've spoken to. I think Charleston with what you guys have there. Uh, then um Chapel Hill, Pastor Wheels talked about some of the churches meet together there. Those are the only two places I know of or something like I'm sure there's plenty of others, but that have heard that these kind of stories are happening. And they're just really encouraging to hear every now and then. Especially, you know, we do a church unity podcast and talk a lot about how we wish there was unity and we wish this was happening. So I think it's nice to hear some places it is happening. And in some ways it's happening in really powerful and I don't know, encouraging ways. So
1: it's definitely it's definitely very encouraging when you have um, Pentecostal churches, um, charismatic, we have uh, uh, Catholic churches, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, and we all come together and we lay our differences aside to lift up the Lord. And I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So if you're listening and you're in the Charleston area, y'all are doing great. If you're not in the Charleston area, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think it's a good time. model we could all look to, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, that being said, we are here to talk about your book, Um, Spiritual Hiccups, Eight Days of Doubt That Didn't Have to Be. Um, So we have a few different questions of that. Uh, First, I just kind of want to know, just basically, what was the inspiration behind this book?
1: Well, it started probably back um, when I had a car accident at 27. I walked through a time of my life, battled depression, battled some things, questions, and uh, had some doubts and and so um, it was actually birthed though, in 2008 when I preached a sermon, and I was talking about eight days of doubt that didn't have to be, about the life of Thomas. Had he been where he needed to be, and he hadn't been in hiding, and he hadn't tried to be isolated. You see, God is intended for us to be insulated, but not isolated, and we uh-huh. need each other as a body of believers. And had Thomas relied more upon his brothers and sisters, <clears throat> he would have been there. When Jesus first appeared to them, but because he wasn't there, he had eight days that he had to fight with doubt and wrestle it until he himself encountered Jesus. And so that's kind of the the story behind the book.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's powerful stuff. And I
1: think I
0: want to say you were the one who pointed this out to me, too, was when Jesus uh, was told about Lazarus and the rest of the apostles were said, oh, he's dead. There's no point. You waited too long. Thomas was the one who did believe. So I think that kind of gets to this idea of hiccups where in one area he did have strong faith. And then another time, you know, he he doubted what he didn't really have to
1: Yeah, he had hiccups. Matter of fact, in the introduction of the book, it says that uh, hiccups are involuntary spasms or quick contractions of the diaphragm and the respiratory organs. No one wants them. No one likes them. They're annoying and become a, a little bit frustrating. If they continue for any length of time, unfortunately, all of us occasionally have them. The same might be said of us spiritually. We sometimes have hiccups in our faith, those moments of doubt, second-guessing, wondering, or questioning. Just like the natural hiccups, we wonder what we can do to stop them. I believe we will discover a cure in the pages of this little book as we hear the testimony of a man with a severe case of the hiccups, life's little annoyances the times in life that calls us to spaz out. And that man is Thomas. Uh, So it's written in a monologue. It's written in a first person. And uh, then I will come after he speaks for a while. I'll come in and insert some some scripture, insert some thoughts, you know, but it's kind of cool. I just felt the inspiration of the Lord going in that direction, which was pretty sweet.
0: And when you say he, it's first person Thomas is talking.
1: Thomas, matter of fact. In the very first chapter, TJ and Josh, it says, uh, it talks about the death of hope. Hmm. I thought for sure he was the one. We believed them not, for we were hoping he was the one that would redeem Israel. This is Thomas speaking. They tried to tell me that they had seen him, that I had missed one of the greatest phenomena ever. Yeah, right. There's no way. It's impossible. I watched him die. Though it was from a distance, I watched them carry him to the tomb. They must take me for a chump. They're just seeing things after all we've been through. I can see how their emotions and imaginations could get the best of them. They just need to face the facts. He's gone. Why, even Cleopas said of himself, of Christ, I was hoping that he would be the one that would redeem Israel. So you see, I'm not by myself. Others were undecided, uncertain, uninformed, and some even unbelieving. Would you be one of those? The hiccups commence, the involuntary spasms caused by those anxious, the anxiousness of reality, the fear of the unknown, the contradictions of doubt. The slow death of hope has begun. Hope just doesn't up and die all at once, though. It's a slow, painful process. The death of a dream, the loss of a loved one, a marriage run amuck, a career in crisis, little by little. Get the picture?
0: Mm. So You could say by the end of the book, he found a new hope star wars music
1: yes yes exactly exactly And that's later on in the book he talks about a uh, matter of fact in, in the uh, um the content just to give you an idea of the contents of the book it talks about how that there was this hope that he had had that it began to die and i'll find it over here it says the death of hope and then the next chapter goes into the life of doubt because he saw death his death of hope on the cross right before his eyes, life of doubt, began to, he began to wrestle with that. Then he sees the death of doubt, the life of hope, and the resurrection, power, and rebirth. Then there's the blessing of seeing and hearing. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Then there's the greater blessing of believing. And in the last chapter, at chapter 8, the crisis of belief, hmm. show me a sign.
2: So what made you feel there was a need for this book in our current times?
1: Well, you know, I was hoping to get it out, to be honest, several years ago, I really felt right before COVID, I really felt like, man, if I could just get this book out to the every Easter for, you know, for the past few years on Easter, I was thinking, if I could get get it out by Easter, it would be such an encouragement to people because I feel like we're living in a day and time where there's so many people who feel hopeless. So many people do have questions and they do have doubts. And what I was hoping to do was encourage people to let them know, Real doubt searches for light. Unbelief is content with darkness. So it's not wrong to have questions as long as you go to the right source to get the answers. And in his in his case, uh, Thomas, in all of his questioning, it brought him to the reality of truth. He searched for truth and he found truth. And I just felt like that people need to know, TJ, that they're not alone, that they're not by themselves. If they have those spiritual hiccups, those moments where they just kind of don't see the the, uh, forest for the trees, you know, if they don't really understand what's going on, that they can walk beside someone and they can say, man, I've been where you are. Let me help you. Let me tell you what I did. And uh, that's, that's to me, the whole gist of the book is that no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, there's not a door that he cannot walk through. There's not a situation that he won't enter into to come into your life to rescue you. And so that's the hope I want to give people.
2: All right. So is that the, like the major takeaway you want people to get from reading the book? Or is there something
1: else? I think the major takeaway would be that there is a cure for the hiccups. And that cure is drinking from the living water, which is Jesus. And that's to me, that's the journey. Matter of fact, when I sign the book, I'll put come thirsty, leave satisfied. And that's the takeaway for me is no matter who you are, uh, like the woman at the well, no matter who you are, once you're there and you really realize who he is, man, I want to drink this water. I need him to satisfy my thirst. So that's that's to me. That's the, the light that I want to see people take away.
2: Mm-hmm. Did okay. you did you write spiritual hiccups with, you know, the Pentecostals in mind or think any Christian tradition can pick this up and find comfort in
1: the book. Well, that's a great question, and to be honest. I I wrote the book um, with just struggling people in mind, hurting people, whether they're saved or unsaved. I wrote this book um, with an inspiration from the Lord to be able to offer someone a drink of water to say, you know, no matter what walk of life you're from, no matter who you are, where you're at, um, religiously, spiritually, or just if you're unsaved, I had a young lady My wife and I encountered at a funeral just a few days ago, and she was so moved by the truth we spoke that she said, she came up to us afterwards, she said, I'm not a Christian believer. Well, that's okay. God believes in you, and you can become a Christian believer. And so my wife and I blessed her with one of these books and and instructed her to read this and call my wife if she has any questions. And one cool thing about it, we left some pages in there. It's not a very long read. I mean, I, I wanted a short read. A lot of guys don't like to read, so I felt like if a guy looked at this book and they'd pick it up, it's you know like 90 pages, and a lot of those are notes. You can go in and just write your notes and stuff, and you go through. You can see it. Josh has got yeah, it's a thin, thin, <laughs> small book, but I just wanted something quick, compact. You could throw in a book bag, take it somewhere and sit down, and boy, just for devotion, have something that would pow, it just catch you, just grab you. And I, you know, I'm grateful for that. I've had people tell me that it, it just, it was timely my wife and i agreed uh when we released the book this january before easter for such a time as this after the pandemic we felt like that people needed hope again and it was god's perfect timing
2: all right Mm -hmm. so if someone wants to pick up a copy of spiritual hiccups how can they do that
1: um they can go to our webpage at at somerville family worship center and they can click there and it gives them information how to get one also, it is available in the uh, um, Pathway Bookstore. It's available through the Pathway Bookstore and also the um, Cleveland and Cleveland, uh, Tennessee in the uh, um, White Wing Messenger Bookstore as well. I do have it locally here in, in our area at a bookstore in uh, uh, Goose Creek as well. So That's it's awesome. out there and I'm grateful.
2: I like Goose Creek. It's a, it's a little, nice little area. Yeah, yeah it's pretty nice.
0: I um, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I think anyone who's been a believer for an extended period of time would tell you, listener, I don't talk to the listener like this very often, but anyone who's been in the faith long enough will tell you that there's definitely been a time in their life where it was difficult, <laughs> like it was difficult to hang on to the faith. It was difficult not to doubt. Um, One thing I find really interesting, C.S. Lewis writes about <laughs> what faith is. It is, it is the point, he says, that the, there's a difference between questioning your faith because you're intellectually reevaluating. It's like, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. Study your faith. Question it. Sure. Sure. There's a difference between that and then there's that emotional impulse. I, I forget how he words it. He doesn't say hiccup, but I kind of think he should have. <laughs> and he says, faith is knowing when it's one of those moments. So faith is knowing when you have a hiccup and clinging to Jesus, clinging to one another, not being alone. There's lots of lessons in this that I think are useful. Like you said, it's a small book. Someone who likes to go camping and hiking a lot, I can appreciate that. Throw it in your bag. Go out in nature. Be alone for a little while. Do some healing with this book. I feel like it's uh, very helpful in that way. Yeah, you know, and, and look you know, out for the
2: sequel,
1: Spiritual Burps. <laughs> Spiritual Burps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't want to know what the third one is. One. Yeah, I'm looking at <laughs> on another one right now, and it's called Living Life at the Water's Edge. Ooh. So that's the okay. nice one. And so, so, I'm for now, so. people, you know, I'm hoping to get that out soon. And my family, they really encouraged me, though i had I have so many. I have probably 15 different titles for books, and mm-hmm. I get so excited. I said, "Oh, that's a good. That'll be a good book. That'll be a good book." And my wife and and my family kept telling me, "I don't want to hear any more about titles till you finish the first book, <laughs> write the book." And so we did. And you know, our first order, we ordered 500 books, and we have about 100 left right now. And so I'm thrilled wow. about that in the past few months that God has allowed us to be able. And my mom, this is great. My mom <laughs> is 85 years young and she is my biggest fan. Oh, my goodness. She has probably herself personally uh, distributed at least 80 of these books. And what we do is I don't really say I sell them because if somebody couldn't afford them, I'd give them. But there's a suggested uh, Donation of the retail price according to Pathway Bookstore. They said a suggested donation would be $15. But, I mean, she has moved these books, man. She just, yes, the day before yesterday, son, send me some more books. Mom, you've already (laughs) given out 80 of them. I'm telling you, it's just, people are excited about that. And I'm just, I'm very humbled by that. Um, I, I feel like this is just me. I feel like if the Lord can use a donkey, He can use a rooster, He can use me. And that's just how I feel about. it. I'm just a mouthpiece, and when I said, guys, it's just, I, I, I really felt like I knew what it, I know what they're saying when it says that the word of God was inspired as men were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. I said, watch the sunrise. I'd start writing, and I'd be there all day and watch the sunset, just under an open heaven. And that's just. A, so I hope it's a blessing to you guys
0: you hear that whole church listeners, 100 left, we expect you to buy those. (laughs) Yeah, y'all can do that. Oh, well, that being said, Pep, there is one thing we'd like to ask everyone who's been on our show, and you've been asked before, so we're going to ask you again and hope you don't give the same answer. Um, We'd like to ask if you could just give us a single tangible action, something practical that would help maintain unity in the church. Maintain that, you know, that fellowship where we can help each other, not doubt. What is one practical thing that ordinary churchgoers who are listening to this could do that would help maintain the unity of the whole church?
1: Um, I really feel like keep Jesus at the center of it all. I think the one tangible thing to me is it, it may not be proper English in a sense, but you take the word unity and you take out the I. that's in the center of the word and you have untied, you have a mess. That's why we have so many churches, and we're in such a mess now because we've taken the I am, the I, out of the middle. Jesus is, needs to be in the middle of it all, and we won't have the untie. We will have unity in Him. Yeah. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Let's we'll see.
2: Uh, so, what do you think would happen if we took out the I from unity? What do you think we would see change?
1: Um. Well, a I've lot of dictionaries, probably. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> I've already seen a lot of it. I've seen. We just have people who uh, show more hatred than love, people who are judgmental, people who just get upset about anything and start their own church. You know, I don't like this, I'm gonna do this. But if we could keep Christ at the center of it, we wouldn't have all of the confusion and the chaos. We would come together on a common ground. We would agree to disagree. Unity, listen, unity doesn't mean the same. We're not the same, we're different. But it means that we honor one another in these differences as far as looking at a description or different take. But we accept each other like that. But unity is coming into the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect thing. And that's, to me, what, he's, to me that's what it is to keep the I am in the middle of it all.
0: Yeah, Actually, um, a friend of mine, TJ, is on this other podcast, Systematic Geekology. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> recently, they did an episode about the buzzling year of Star Command, the old TV show from the 2000s. And uh, he ended up, for some reason, talking about how ants have this hive mind where they have a single purpose, and it makes stuff a lot easier for them. And I, I feel like that's a really good image of unity.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. We'll, we'll operate together as one one unit, moving together. And that's what I like about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Smart guy, sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, sometimes <laughs> uh, you've done this before. Yeah, if, if it's your first time listening, we're about to do our God moment segment. Uh, We just take a minute to share what all God's been up to with us recently, whether that's a blessing, a challenge, moment of worship, what have you. Uh, I always make Josh go first to give myself and our esteemed guest as much time as we need to think about it. Uh, So, Josh, do you have a a God moment for us today?
0: I I promise I'm not just trying to keep plugging our other show, but (laughs) Joe and I were recording in Systematic Ecology. We were talking about uh, favorite companions of the Doctor and Doctor Who. And we got to talk about Roy Williams for those who Rory Williams, sorry, for those who watch Doctor Who, you know, who we're talking about and kind of talking about the difference of his character in how a lot of other medias portrayed masculinity and how much closer that is to biblical masculinity. And it was kind of just a challenge to hear Joe describe what biblical masculinity was in that context, because, you know, reminds me, I have a family now. I kind of kind of got to do some of these things. So. Yeah, that'll be mine. Just a challenge from Joe.
2: All right. Uh, For me, I think I'm I'm going to have to go with, uh you know, one of my roommates is enlisted in the National Guard. He just couldn't stay out of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, if that's what he wants to do and God's going to let him do it, I'm glad for him.
1: Be, Praise God. It's a God moment for me in my life is uh, I'm coming alongside a young man who's been diagnosed with cancer, huh. and I've watched him and his family take a stand. And everything that's been thrown at them, they're telling the doctors, you're going to stand with me one day, and you're going to see me give a testimony. I'm not going to be a statistic. And so uh, I had a thought this past weekend I shared, and just for me this God moment was I was sitting here at the, the desk studying, and it's like, get out the show. We're going to dig some ditches. Okay. Boy, I, that thing hit me from Second Kings three, that we put forth the effort, we obey, God fills the ditches. And I think in all of our lives, if we could finally get to that point, um, we wouldn't try as a church to force unity. Uh, you know, try to uh-huh. feel like figure out a formula. We have no, we would go by the blueprint of His Word. And unity, unity is a natural byproduct. It really is when we come together in Him and that's, that's to me that's just so cool we put forth the effort we can to obey Him and, and implement all of His truths and He'll fill the ditches He'll fill the trenches in our lives and we'll see a miracle and I'm, I'm claiming that for this family and this young man and uh, to see their their strength and faith and tenacity and perseverance man it's encouraging for me it's encouraging for, me. for sure
2: all right, I love to hear that. So, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with a friend or an enemy. Uh, you could share with a cousin, uncles, aunts, most <laughs> yeah. of the definitely an aunt. I feel like if I send my aunt anything, she's going to check it out. Uh, any of those would help us out a whole lot. Try it out and see if you don't believe me.
0: But yeah. we would appreciate it. It helps that most of South Carolina happens to be TJ's aunt. Yeah. Related <laughs> to him in some way.
1: <laughs> I've been well, honored to be on the program with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, if you
0: guys want to hear more from TJ and I, again, our other podcast is Systematic Ecology. You can go to SystematicEcology.org. There's a host tab. has both of our names. You can hear everything else that we've done just right there on the website. Pretty convenient. All right. And if you just want to support
2: us some more directly, uh, go to Patreon and you can check out our Pet Peeves series, which we've recently started and we just get to talk to all these, you know, church folk about some church pet peeves they have. It's been pretty entertaining for us so far. And thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, coming up, we'll be having another interview with Trimper Longman, the uh, third, old Testament scholar from Yale university. Uh, this time about his new book, uh, revelation through old Testament eyes, uh, Chad M. Mansbridge, pastor of Bayside church in Southern Australia about his book. You can handle the truth. Uh, we just love talking about books on here. Uh, <laughs> After that, your favorite traveling preacher of Indiana, Brandon Knight, will be joining us again to talk about his testimony and history with the church. Then, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. Yeah, he doesn't know know
0: that, but he'll figure it out. Yeah,
2: he's going to get that email and accept,
0: and we're going to end season one. Yeah, Uh, one day. Thank you for listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Come back next week for our discussion about Dr. Trimper Longman III's book, Revelation Through Old Testament Eyes, where he will discuss how Revelation impacts unity in the church today. And remember, you can sponsor our show for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.